Amen. So let's get to the Word of God. Sound good? Go to Nehemiah one more time, to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, to chapter 6, chapter 6. Now, Pastor Jonathan mentioned the Creek Brunch next Sunday. Come on, sign up for it. There's a sign up in the lobby. You can also go online to sign up. You can sign up on our website just to bring something for a Creek Brunch. At the end of the service, we'll pull out the tables and we will brunch together, okay? We love food here. I love food. Let's just say that. I love food. If nobody else does, I do. And so I look forward to Creek Brunch, but it's a great time to where we can just, man, just chill out together and build relationships, all right? So this is the final message in our Nehemiah, The Power of a Godly Vision series. This is the last one. And I'm calling this message, Persevere to the End. Persevere to the End. Last week, we finished, and this is like the 14th message in the book of Nehemiah, and and we've been unpacking godly vision, what it means, you know, what, what is a godly vision, how do we achieve it, you know, and we've talked about opposition and ridicule, we've talked about teamwork and building walls, all kinds of great things. And last week we finished uh, talking about chapter 4, and in chapter 5, uh, Nehemiah, just to give a, a quick bullet point, Nehemiah has to take care or fix some internal things in the family of the Israelites that they had gotten off track in, okay? He had to correct some wrongs. And then in chapter 6, verses 1 through 14, we see that Nehemiah's enemies, they try five times to trick him into going to a meeting where they intended to do him harm, most likely to kill Nehemiah and to take him out. And then finally, they try to get him to disobey God's commands by going and running for his life into the temple of God and hiding out there. And that would have been a a very disobedient thing for him to do, and he wouldn't do it. And I love the posture of our boy Nehemiah in verse 9 of chapter 6. Right in the middle of his enemies falsely accusing him and trying to trick him to do him harm, his posture is he prays. Nehemiah 6, 9, he prays, but now, O God, strengthen my hands. I love that prayer. And that's, how many words? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Six words in one letter. I love that prayer because the truth is, gang, and we've been talking about godly vision, we've been talking about God doing things in our lives and us pursuing the call that God puts in our heart, those nudges that he's pushing us to, and the truth is there are times when pursuing the vision God gives you, when walking the path of the disciple as a follower of Jesus, there are times when you really have to pray like Nehemiah prayed right there. He's like, now, God, right now, not next week, not tomorrow, but right now, God, I'm, I'm weak, I'm failing. God, there's too many that are coming against me. There's so much opposition, Lord. The odds, man, they're stacked up, God. Lord, strengthen my hands. Help me in my walk with you. Help me to continue, Lord. Strengthen me, Lord. There is nothing wrong with a prayer like that where you find yourself right in the middle of life, and you guys know what I'm talking about with that, right? Life. And you're just like, Lord, strengthen me. 
God, I've got to go through the door of that office. I've got to go in and, and see my boss, or I've got to go and talk to that employee or employer. God, we're going to get together with my family, and you know what that means. Lord, I'm about to go into that hostile classroom. Strengthen me, Lord. God, I'm surrounded by people who are not walking for you or with you. They're not standing on your word, and it's wearing me down. Strengthen me, Lord. God, my child is just coming against me and coming at me and coming at me and coming at me. Strengthen against me, Lord. The atheists, Lord, they just won't let me alone. They're just, they're just pounding me, Lord. Strengthen me. God, I'm trying to live for you. I'm trying to be a, a, a good disciple of Christ, but Lord, it, it's, it, it's hard right now. Strengthen me. Man, I love what we can learn from Nehemiah there. He's falsely accused. They're like, you're only doing this, Nehemiah. We see this in the in, in, uh, beginning of chapter 6. You're only doing this, Nehemiah, building this wall because you want to set yourself up as king. That was the farthest thing from our guy Nehemiah's heart. You just want to set yourself up as king. Matter of fact, you've already got prophets that are going to declare that to you. And he's like, far be it from me. Because he knew if he would do that, where he came from as a high official in Persia, the king would just come and annihilate him again. So they're falsely accusing him. Then they're triggered. Hey, come over here. Meet us, Nehemiah. Meet us. We want to talk to you. No, they're going to do him harm. So he's like, Lord, strengthen me. And look how Nehemiah persevered. His enemies trying to trick him and trap him and kill him. They even had an Israelite, this is one of their own, an Israelite prophetess and other prophets to try to get Nehemiah to become afraid and just quit. His life was being threatened, yet he continued. He didn't quit. He didn't give up. He did what I've talked about many times throughout this series. He relied on the Lord he prayed, and I'll add today, he persevered. Oh, my goodness. Greg, well, what can we learn from Nehemiah? Well, here we go. He relied upon the Lord. He was a man of prayer. He prayed, and he persevered until we come to our text today. Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16. He writes, so the wall was finished. On the 25th day of the month of Elul, in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Amen. Amen. That's so good. We're going to learn two lessons this morning from these two verses, okay? The first one, the first lesson we learned from these two verses in Nehemiah's story, perseverance, don't give up. Hello? Hi? Ooh, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right. We good? I'm just kidding. Perseverance, don't give up. Tell that to somebody next to you. Say, don't give up. I like what Nehemiah wrote of himself in Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 16. He said, I also persevered in the work on this wall. Dude's like, I didn't just tell others to, no, he goes, I'm persevering too. I persevered in the work on this wall. And, and that, that was Nehemiah's attitude through it all, 
from, from leaving his opulent job as a royal high official in the Persian court to traveling a tremendously long, long, long journey to Jerusalem, then to rallying the Jewish people to begin the task of rebuilding the fallen walls and gates that had been you know, destroyed by the, by the Babylonian decades earlier, I mean, over a century earlier, and now for over a century, the, these walls had been overlooked and they were neglected for decade after decade after decade, and then facing all the opposition and the threats and the ridicule, the internal attacks, the temptation to quit. Through all of that, from start to here, Nehemiah persevered. Can you imagine the, the, the thoughts and the emotions that, that he went through throughout this time? Fear, doubt, worry, elation, joy, but also questioning, you know, how is this going to happen? Thoughts of quitting, maybe returning back to Persia. Why am I doing this? <laughs> I had it made in Persia, second only to the king. Whatever I wanted was mine. Whatever I wanted to do, I had his favor. Why am I here with all these, my countrymen in this rubbled wall trying to build it all, you know? But through it all, he was faithful to what God called him to do. And that's been a theme throughout this series, faithfulness. And he persevered and looked what happened. Look what happened. The entire wall was rebuilt in a miraculous 52 days. A miraculous span of 52 days. Man, let's just give them all a hand. <laughs> I know that was like thousands of years ago. You know, you guys that are in heaven, you know, good job, Nehemiah. <laughs> give him a high five, you know. <laughs> <laughs> for nearly half a century, or no, a century and a half, sorry. These walls had just lain just as Nehemiah arrived on the scene and found them ruined. But Nehemiah arriving, he obeyed God, rallied the people, and, and the walls were rebuilt in less than two months. That's amazing. That, that's, that's unheard of. That, that was literally a miracle. And here's what something that blew my mind as I was uh, researching and, and preparing for this message this week. You want to hear something pretty amazing? I mean, when I, when I found this out, I was like, you know, like the, the one movie character, no way! And then you're like, yes way! Okay? Um, Nehemiah says that they completed the wall on the 25th day of the month of Elul. That's on the Jewish calendar, okay? Well, here you go. That month and date, what that corresponds to us on the Jewish calendar for this year, 2023, is September 11th. That was just this past Monday. That was just this past month. So I'm like, dude, God, that's so cool. I didn't plan this. I didn't orchestrate this. But as we've done, this is the 14th message now, and, you know, I've had vacation, and we've had guest speakers and different things. The conclusion of this message falls on the, the very Sunday of the week where they completed the wall thousands of years ago. Isn't that cool? I was like, dude, when I saw that, I was like, dude, that's all you, God. Man, that, that's just all the Lord. You can't make that up. God is in control, Okay. And, and the month of September for, the, for the, the Jewish nation, for the Jews, it's a very important month. Not only this, it's the last month of their calendar, but the Feast and Festival of Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets is about to come. There's a lot of people that study end-time prophecy that thinks that's when Jesus is going to fulfill that, that, uh, the, that uh, feast and festival. So it's very, very important, and we just say, yay, God. Say, yay, God. Yay, God. But back to Nehemiah and Perseverance. I just thought that was so cool that the last message was... 52, they completed it just like on Monday, you know. Wow, it's awesome. So back to Nehemiah and perseverance. And, and hearing that word perseverance, you know, uh, you, another word may come to mind, endurance. Endurance. Well, perseverance and endurance are synonymous. 
They, they mean the same thing. And, and we get insight looking at what these words mean. You know, when, when you face something difficult or a hard situation, you don't give way. That's what endurance and perseverance means, all right? That it's doing something despite difficulties and failures and opposition. That's what perseverance and endurance means. It means having stamina and steadfastness. I love that word. It's not a word we use a lot. But it's being steadfast in doing what you know you need to do, no matter what comes your way, okay? Guys, perseverance and endurance is the ability to not give up easily, even when facing setbacks. The journey of following Christ has lost many travelers due to giving up, to giving up. The truth is, guys, the call of the disciple of Jesus is to persevere and to endure. That's the call of the disciple, of the person following Jesus. Now, that's not a popular statement. That's not a statement where you say, oh, man, it just gives me the spiritual warm fuzzies. Right? You know what I'm talking about. That's hard. That's difficult. That's not easy. Perseverance and endurance, the terms themselves, are not easy. I was just talking to a gentleman in our church family who was hit, and I don't mention names or anything, and that's okay, but this person has been hit with a lot of opposition, and, and, his, and, and, and his words was like, all of a sudden this stuff's come upon me. All of this opposition, and it's overwhelming me at the time. First off, I said that, hey, that all of a sudden shows that it's an attack from the enemy, when something all of a sudden, that God's about to do something good in your life, big in your life. And that's not just prosperity gospel to you. That's the truth. The enemy wants to, and we talked about that. The enemy wants to come in and, 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 and destroy that and discourage that. But secondly, I said just what I said now, that this is the call of the disciple of Jesus. This is the way of the disciple to continue to walk in the path of Christ with eyes on Jesus taking up our cross and following him. To not give up, but to persevere and to endure to the end. I can't repeat this enough. This is the call of the disciple following Christ and pursuing God's vision in their lives and in their family and their church. You see this thing about following Christ, it's more than just a Sunday morning only thing where we finally brush our teeth to go to church. Some of you men. I hope none of the ladies don't, right? Where you shower, you get ready, you look nice. And say, I'm going to go to church. Following Christ is more than just this. This is very important. But the call of Christ and following Christ is Monday through the next Sunday and when you're faced with opposition and when you're faced with ridicule, you're faced with hard stuff or you feel like all these things are going against you, you still keep going with your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. That's good preaching. I heard something one time says, you're not a failure as long as you keep going and you haven't given up. 
And I know the enemy will try to attack us a lot. Well, you're, you're such a failure. You've let God down so you're not worthy. How could God love you? You can't do this. All these things he points at us and accuses us like the word says he does. But listen, you're not a failure as long as your eyes are on Christ and you keep going and you haven't given up. We're called to endure and persevere. Listen to the writer who wrote Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us, us, trips us up, and let us run with endurance, perseverance, the race that God has set before us. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, so let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time or in due season, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. The Apostle Paul writes to the Christians in Galatia, look, don't get tired or weary of doing what is good. Don't quit. Stay the course. Stay on the path. Keep following Christ. Keep pursuing the vision and the calling that he's placed upon your heart. What he's calling you to do. How he's calling you to walk. What he's asking you to accomplish for him. How he's calling you to serve. Call, what he's calling you to start. How he's calling you to stand on his word. How he's calling you to be his ambassador in this wicked place of the world. How he's calling you to do your life for him. And fulfilling the visions that he's placed in your life. For your family, for your church, and for you, and for him. These are good things that the Apostle Paul writes. It's like, don't get tired of, of, of doing good things, pursuing the vision. And pursuing vision, what God's called us to, that is a good thing. That's a good thing. And Paul's like, don't stop doing it. How many of you would consider yourself a do-gooder? Anybody out there? A few of you? All right, yeah. A do-gooder? How many of you were called a do-gooder growing up? Anybody? Call? Maybe, I guess. So the majority of you guys were just bad to the bone, huh? I see how it is. Praise God for his grace, amen? Woo! <laughs> bad, you know? That was your theme song, all right? Dude, I, <laughs> I remember growing up and, you know, that was kind of used as a put down, you know, kind of, you know, you, you, being a good person was kind of an insult. You know, you're just a, you're just a goody two shoes, you know, that kind of thing. Or you're just, just a good goody, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? It, it, for the believer, that's, that's not an insult. That, that's, that's what we're called to do as followers of Christ. Do what's good. Colossians 1, 9 through 10, Ephesians 2, 10, just to name a few scriptures. To be the opposite of b -b -b bad to the bone, right? We're to be good and do good. And, and it's, it's doing good is more than a way of life. Doing good is our calling. That's what we've been called to do. We learn that the vision from God that Nehemiah fulfilled, that was a good thing. And the visions that God gives us in our lives, they're all wrapped up in good things. It, it's good to have a, a God-first marriage. It's a good thing to raise children to fear the Lord and to know the truth of His Word. 
It's a good thing to, to pray for and witness to your, your, your spouse who might be an unbeliever or children or grandchildren who aren't walking in the way of faith. It's a good thing to start a business for the Lord that's going to showcase Christ's light in the marketplace, and it's going to be run with integrity, and it's going to run with honesty, and, it, and it's going to uh, be founded on the very Word of God. It's a good thing to be the light of Christ on your campus, among your professional peers, at the workplace, on the ball team, in the classroom. It's a good thing to be the light of Christ in an unbelieving family where you're the only one holding the torch of Jesus. It's a good thing to start a ministry for the Lord or a mission endeavor in another country. It's a good thing to give of your time, talents, and treasure to serve, right? It's, it's a good thing to fund a ministry or a project for the King of Kings. It's a good thing to stand on the Word of God as the absolute truth and the absolute answer to all of life's questions. It's a very good thing to volunteer to serve here at Oso Creek and Oso Kids and Oso Students or the ministry teams or to start a life group. See what I did right there? See? See how I threw that in there, right? It's a good thing. What has God placed on your heart to do for Him and His Word? Whatever it is, it's good. It's good. It's like the three-pointer. It's good. You know what I mean? Three points. It's, you win the game. Right. Paul writes, do not get tired of doing good. But I want to ask an opposite question, a question that goes in opposite of that. Do you ever just get tired of doing good, though? Anybody else? Let's be honest this morning. Let's have a little honesty in church. I mean, that's a good thing for a church service, right? <laughs> this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And one we mem memorize can help keep us going, or, or as my dad would always say, Keep on keeping on. This verse helps us keep on keeping on. Because sometimes life gets crazy in situations and circumstances. As I've mentioned, we face different oppositions. And it can get to the point where, where we do feel like giving up. Where we get tired. When we get tired of just of doing good. And we think, what's the use? Why continue? Why try? What's, what's the value? Is this making any difference at all in their life, in the situation? I don't see any benefit from continuing right now. Why give it my all? Why not just give it, give it my half for 25%? It wasn't this hard before. Before I came to Christ, it, it, life didn't seem like it was this hard. I feel like quitting. It's not happening fast enough. What I'm praying for, what I'm seeing, God, you've placed this on my heart. Remember we talked about the waiting period for two weeks? In that period, I go, God, I don't see it. What's going on? Lord, I feel like giving up. I'm tired of doing good. 
You know, just last week we talked about how Nehemiah and the Israelites were faced with, with these very types of questioning coming from within their own camp inside the family. They'd been building the wall. Now all of a sudden people inside were beginning, you know, the Israelites were discouraging other Israelites going, how can we do this? How can we make this? How can we build this wall? It's not going to happen. Sending a negative report. Perhaps words like these that I went over there have, 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 have come out of your own tulips before, or they've been pondered in your heart. Maybe you are even been, you're thinking about them right now in a current point in your life. You might have even whispered these kinds of words even this morning as you're trying to come to church. You're like, I don't, I don't know, Lord. I feel like quitting. I feel like going back to what I used to do. I feel like stopping it because I don't see no progress, all the stuff like that. Why do good, Lord? Why do good? Why do good? And you may say, well, wait, Greg, that, that doesn't sound too Christian-like. You know, that, that, that doesn't sound like a believer. Greg, do Christians pursuing godly vision in their lives really have these kinds of thoughts? The answer is a screaming yes, <laughs> Right? Yes, you have these kinds of thoughts and statements in your heart and your mind. At some point in our lives, we have either, we have, you know, thought them in the past, said them to ourselves, or we've even said them to someone else or we're saying them right now. And you say, how can you say that? Here's why. Because life is tough, right? Because there's stress. Because there's opposition that we've talked about. Because we want to see an end quickly. Because what we, what we want what we do to matter in the end. Why do I say these things? Because we're all human. And we have an adversary that wants to stop the work of God. Even in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, the devil tempted Jesus. Basically, he tried to get him to stop on his mission that God sent him to do. And he's trying to stop him at the very, very beginning of that. And gang, trust me, pastors and those in, in ministry, we're not immune to those kinds of thoughts and those kinds of statements either, or those kinds of attacks from the enemy. I remember one, one Saturday night, late Saturday night, at my last church in northern Kentucky, just south of Cincinnati, man, I was, you know, the chairs had gotten all messed up, and I, I was just putting them back in a row, and I, I probably didn't have the greatest attitude, probably not, you know. That was the one time in my life I didn't have a good attitude, um, but... Uh, <laughs> Hey, we're honest this morning in church, right? Come on. But as I was setting these chairs up, you know, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking about the next day's service. Dude, I promise you, out of nowhere, this is what popped into my mind. Just quit. This as a pastor, okay? I'm preaching tomorrow morning, you know? Just quit. Man, it stopped me right in my tracks and what I was doing. I mean, I, I immediately knew there was an attack of the enemy, so I asked the Lord to, to rebuke the enemy, and guess what I did? I just, I just kept on going. I just kept on going. Often, guys, doing what God calls us to do, nudges us to do, following his plan, pursuing the vision he has for us, it can be very difficult sometimes. And if it doesn't happen right away, or there's setbacks and opposition and pushback, our enemy, he's a liar, a sneak, and a snake, He'll come in and whisper such words as he did to me. Just quit. Just give up. Drop your spiritual weapons. Go back to living how you used to. Just quit. He would love it. That would 
please the enemy so much if you just quit. Because then he knows the work of the kingdom is not going to progress. And none of us are exempt from these kinds of feelings of thought, uh, these feelings and thoughts. of uh, None of us are exempt from wearing down or, you know, thoughts of holding up or slowing down. Thoughts of, hey, man, I've been really pursuing this for a lot. Maybe I need to take a little siesta in my spiritual walk. Maybe a little, you know, take a little time out, you know. Or, hey, I've been pursuing this vision for a long. I'm going to call a little time out. I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to go over here and, and literally sing the old song. I'm going to take it easy, take it easy, Right? Regarding the vision that God's given me, doing good. None of us are exempt from thinking those things. But the Apostle Paul makes a bold proclamation here in Galatians. He becomes intensely practical. He says, you know, wipe out your ears so you hear it right. You know, Do not grow weary. Don't grow tired in doing good. Don't grow tired in your labor of good. Don't grow tired or weary of pursuing the vision God's placed on your heart. The New Testament was originally written in the Greek language, and, and weary or tired in the Greek word is ekakeo, and it means to, to fail in your heart. Paul's like, don't lose heart. Don't, don't fail in your heart in doing good. Don't lose heart in pursuing your God-given vision. That's what Paul's saying. Don't lose heart, church. What God's calling you to do, even living for Him, be in the light. Don't lose heart. Don't stop. Hang in there. Keep going. Keep on keeping on. Don't lose heart in doing all you can with what you've got in the things in your life that are good and worthy and valuable for the Lord and what you're called to do for God. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 58. 58 yeah. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore, be steadfast immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Such great news from Paul. Such great writing. But you might still be asking, why not, Greg? It's easier to quit or to grow faint at heart. It's just, it, it seems easier to stop. Look, we don't stop because of the last words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, 9. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. It's a promise there. If you keep going, you will reap a harvest. There is an appointed time for you to reap your harvest if you do not give up. Paul's like, dude, we're, we're going to benefit. We will win. It's going to happen. We, we will make it if we don't give up. Paul's like, God is going to shine. God's going to come through. God's going to help. God's going to strengthen. God's going to change someone's heart. God's going to provide. God's going to protect. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. If we don't give up, and we see this in our text in Nehemiah and Nehemiah's story, they built the wall. It was finished. It was completed. The vision was fulfilled. It was a blessing to the city, a blessing to the nation of Israel. And all of this happens when we don't grow weary or quit because we persevere and we endure to the end because of our two lessons from our text. The second lesson is that we learn is God gets the glory. God gets the glory and he confounds those that are against you. That's what we see in our text. 
God gets the glory and confounds those that are against you. Nehemiah verse 16, we already read it, but I want to read it again. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. Now, here's a, they're ready to attack. They, they were going to attack and, and hurt the Israelites. They're going to hurt Nehemiah. Now, they were afraid and fell greatly on their esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. God's going to get the glory. God will get the glory. And even those that were against you are going to say, that was God. God did that. God showed up. That was a miracle. The enemies of Nehemiah, they became discouraged and disheartened. They became crushed in spirit. And then they became afraid because they knew the Israelites were strengthened and their God was with them, praise the Lord. Look, gang, when God comes through in his time, according to his will, people will know that it's a miracle of God. And he's going to get the glory. And he's going to get the glory. People will know it's a miracle of God when when that child comes to Christ. Or a family member comes to Christ that you've been praying for. Gang, I've seen this in my own life. My own grandfather. Man, he, he walked away from God, you know, and, and a, a, at a long time. And he, he had nothing to do with God or the church and was... was brutal and just, yeah, a hard man. And man, as a young boy, I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed many years for my grandfather, many years. And he came to Christ before he died. I remember him kneeling in our living room with my dad and they prayed together and man, I was so elated. My dad's brother, Keith, we prayed for him for a long, long, long time. He was a hot, talking about a sinner. (laughs) Sorry, Keith, if you're watching, uncle. Um, He... He would admit it. He would admit it. He was a bad dude. Uh, I, I don't even go into it, okay? In East Side, Indianapolis. But man, so many prayers. He surrendered his life to Christ. Now, man, he's serving in my dad's church. He's singing on the praise team. He's, and when he came to Christ, he has a lot of older children, and, and he wanted them to come to Christ. And man, each one, they're one was just baptized not long ago. I mean, it's just, it's just beautiful. It was a miracle. People are going to know it's a miracle of God when that mission work is fully funded and has resources. It's a miracle when that, that ministry is happening despite everything else, the odds against it. The miracle of God when heart change happens or when life happens or, or things happen. People will see that it's a miracle of God and God gets all the glory for what he does in and through us. And others will be in awe. They'll be in awe. When, when we read the Gospels and see Jesus going from village to village and town to town, it's like people would come out and they'd be in awe of Jesus. Listen, when God works in your life, man, people will be in awe of God working in and through you. Okay, that, that's why we do this. That's why we don't quit. That's why we don't give up on the visions and callings God has for us. Because it's all for Him. Remember, I said the very first message, it, the visions from the, it's not about us. It's all about God. It's all for him. It's all for his glory. It's all for his praise so that people will see him in us and through us, right? Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He relied on God and he pers- persevered through every difficulty. Nehemiah and the people exhibited diligence, perseverance, endurance. 
they exhibited courage and they fulfilled the vision that God gave them. Does that describe you as a believer and a follower of Christ? Diligence, perseverance, endurance, courage, while you're fulfilling what God has for you in this life? Listen, keep, keep going. Don't stop. Don't lose heart. Don't faint. There's too much at stake. Do it for our King. Do it for our King. Because you see, Jesus is our great leader. And, and Jesus is the ultimate example of perseverance. Jesus, our King, is the ultimate example of perseverance. Earlier I read the call to all of us to endure or persevere in Hebrews 12.1. I want to read it again. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance, with perseverance, the race that God has set before us. But the writer doesn't stop there. The writer of Hebrews doesn't stop there. The writer continues in verse 2 and 3, and he explains why we do this, why we run with endurance, why we run with persevere. He says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured. He persevered the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility that he endured from sinful people. Jesus Christ endured the cross for you and for me and for all of, of humankind. Why? So that we could have life. So that we could have grace. So that, that that gap between us and the Father that was created there because of our sin and our unrighteousness and our evil deeds, Jesus bridged that gap. He made remediation for us and the Father. Now we can go to God and say, Lord, forgive me. What Jesus did for me, let it be applied to my life. Save me, Lord. You think Jesus got weary? You think Jesus got tired? Imagine the, the, the lashes of the whip on his back. Uh, imagine the, the nails in his hands, wrists, in his feet. Imagine hanging there, couldn't even breathe. The only way you could breathe on the cross is you had to pick yourself up to take a breath. And then when you fell down, your, your lungs literally collapsed on themselves. You know how easy it would have been for Jesus to say, that's it. No more. They're not worth it, Father. They, they're they're going to reject. They're going to rebel. Even Like I said earlier, that, that the way to life is, is hard and difficult and only few will find it. So I'm not going to go through it. I'm going to quit. I'm going to give up on them all. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. He didn't. Praise the Lord. He didn't. He didn't. He hung there on the cross and he died. He was put in the grave and then three days later, man, he conquered death, hell in the grave. Amen. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. And he did it for you and for me so he could live with us and live in us and so we could serve him and live for him and have true life and, and, and truly be satisfied because he's all sufficient. He did it all for us. As the band comes up to start playing, I want to 
Here's a little story I want to read to you guys. In a far country lived a band of minstrels who traveled from town to town presenting music, and they did this to make a living. And and at this time, they hadn't been doing very well, and times were very, very hard. There, There was little money for the common folk to come to hear the minstrels, even though they only charged a very small fee to come and perform. And the last quite a few performances they were doing, attendance had been falling off. So early one evening, the the group met to discuss their plight. And one of them said, I see no reason for us opening tonight. To make things worse than they may have been, it's, 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 even, start, it's even starting to snow outside. Who's going to venture out on a night like this to hear us play music? Another disheartened singer said, I agree. Last night we performed for just a handful, you know. Fewer are going to come tonight. Why not give back their meager fees and cancel the concert? No one can expect us to go on when there's just so few in the audience. A third member of the the group said, how can anyone do his best for so few people that's going to be in attendance? Then he turned to another sitting beside him and asked, "What, what do you think? What do you think? The man that he appealed to was older than the others, and he looked straight at his minstrel troupe and said, I know you're discouraged. I know you want to quit. I am too, and I I also do. But we have a responsibility to those who might come, and we will go on, and we will do the best job of which we are capable. It's not the fault of those who come that others don't. They shouldn't be punished with less than the very best that we can give. So, you know, heartened by his words, the minstrels went ahead with their little show, and man, they never performed better. When the show was over and the very small audience had gone, the old man called his troop to him, and in his hands was a note that was handed to him by one member of the audience just before the doors closed behind him. And and the older gentleman said, come quick, guys, come quick, troop, listen, please, listen to this, my friend. Listen to this, guys. And there was something electrifying in the tone of his voice, and it made them start to anticipate what he's going to say. And slowly he unfolded the note, and, and the old man read, Thank you for your beautiful performance. And it was signed very simply, Your King. Your King. Guys, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't give up. Your king is watching. You have an audience of one. And one day, as I've said throughout this series, you'll stand before him and he's gonna hear, you're going to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You endured. You persevered. You took up your cross. You followed me. You made it. And my last point is just keep persevering for your king because he persevered for you. He persevered for you. God, I just come before you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the lessons from Nehemiah. God, you know everybody that's in here this morning. You know everybody that's watching online. And I just pray that, Lord, you would encourage them with your word. Strengthen them with your presence. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and help them, God. God, some here, 
they feel like they're facing incredible, insurmountable odds, or a hill they feel they have to climb that's too high. Some feel that everyone's against them. I pray right now, Lord, that this message of perseverance for you, God, would just sink deep in their heart and fruit would come from it. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on us or for us. Thank you, Jesus, that your love kept you there on the cross. Thank you that you persevered and endured and fulfilled the plan of God the Father so that all the world could be saved. All those that come to you, all those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved, as the Apostle Paul writes. And it doesn't matter our background or where we come from or how much wrong we've done or how many times we failed. When we come to you, Lord, you continue to say, you're mine. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us today. Help us today. I pray in Jesus' name. I feel like doing something today that we normally don't do. I don't even know if we've done it since I've been here in a year. But I want us to have and in prayer. And if you feel like you need a touch from God in your life to help you persevere and endure whatever you might be facing, man, I'm going to ask you to, and I know this may be, make you feel, it's not to make anybody feel uncomfortable, but this is a place of prayer, and God is here right now, and I believe God wants to strengthen any and all with his presence and spirit. But if that's you, why don't you come down, we're going to pray with you this morning. We're going to gather around you as a church family and pray. Anybody, come on if you're here this morning. Yeah. Because God knows. No one, you don't, it may be something that's just in your heart that nobody knows about. But you're like, God, I need strength to persevere. You know what I'm facing, Lord. I need strength to endure this. You know what's on my heart. You know what I'm going through, God, I pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. God is here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. God knows everything you guys are seeking. You, he knows everything that's on your heart. And he's here this morning. Now, if I could have some faith-filled believers, part of the family, just come around and surround these up here this morning and lay hands and just pray. And you may be like, man, I, I would like to go up, but I, I'm... Don't let, that's okay. Listen, God's here. He'll touch you. If you're online this morning, this is for you as well. Just believe. Say, God, strengthen my hands. That's why I started the message with that prayer from Nehemiah. Strengthen my hands. God, we just lay hands on these right now, God. You know, every single one of them. And as a family, God, we just gather around them. And we pray for strength. We pray for endurance. We pray for perseverance, God. We pray, Jesus, that you would rebuke the enemy who would come at us to steal, kill, and destroy, who would come at us, Lord, to, to, to get our eyes off of Jesus. He would come at us to, to try to trick us into to laying down our weapons, to just giving up and quitting. Lord, strengthen these hands right now, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Bless them, Lord, I pray. Give them the hope and the encouragement, Lord, that you're with them, you're for them, not against them, Lord, and that, God, they will reap a harvest of blessing in you if they don't give up. 
and you will get all the glory. You'll get all the praise, Lord. And I pray for these that come up here, Lord. I pray for everyone in this room today, those watching online as well, God, that those that are pursuing vision, those that are pursuing and, and doing what you feel like they're, you're calling them to do, uh, the way to live on your word, the way to shine your light, Lord, praying for family members, believing for children and grandchildren, believing for jobs and promotion, Lord, trying to make a difference where they are in the marketplace. Wherever it is, give them endurance, Lord. Give them perseverance. Let them not grow weary or tired in doing good. And the moment when we have those human tendencies and those, those fleshly things, Lord, come in with your presence and strengthen us. Pick us by the hand and carry us, Lord, I pray. Lord, carry these who have come forward this morning. You know every circumstance. You know every situation. You know the very details, God. And so I pray that you would do your work in their lives, strengthen their hands, God, and we're going to give you all the glory. We're going to give you all the praise. All of it, Lord. It all goes to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just praise the Lord right now all over this place? He deserves all the glory. All the praise and all the glory. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Don't quit. Don't give up. Let's do it for the King this morning.